Hey, my name is Brian Golden. I'm the lead pastor of Centerpoint Church. And I just want to personally thank you for listening to our podcast. And I also want to invite you wherever you are around the country or in the Tampa Bay area to join our digital online campus at centerpointfl.org. And here's what you need to know. Our vision is to create an alternative to church as usual for all people. And all that means is, regardless of whether you've been a longtime follower of Jesus, you're new to faith, you're investigating faith, or you don't even know what you believe, our goal is for you to feel like you belong, even if you never believe. And so thank you again for listening, and I hope today's message encourages you and helps you. Good morning, everybody. Man, it's great to be with you. My name is Justin. I'm one of the pastors here, and we're finishing this series called Mastermind. Uh, if you've been with us the last few weeks, we've really been going through the idea and, and hitting on it every week that uh, really if you can begin to control your thinking, if you can begin to master your mind, right, see what we did there, right, it could change your life. And again, this isn't even like a Christian idea or religious idea. This is just in general. If you could really get a handle on your thoughts and not have your thoughts happen to you, but begin to control them, it could change everything for you. And, and for some of us, you've been uh, learning this over the last few years and you've seen this happen. Uh, so this is, we're going to finish today's going to be the last part, but uh, if you haven't been here, man, I just want to really recap real fast for you. The first week, uh, we talked all about how either we control our thinking or our thoughts are going to control us, right? Like, like you have a choice. You can't choose what happens to you. Uh, you may not be able to choose the situation that you're in, but you can choose how you think about the situation you're in, how you think about um, the, the experience you had. Again, there's a lot of things we can't control, but how we think about things is one thing we can control. Uh, and you have a choice in that. And it's, it's powerful, but also it gives you responsibility, which is kind of tough, Right? Uh, then the second week, last week, we talked about how uh, in order to replace our thinking, in order to replace our thoughts, we have to recognize our thoughts, right? Like, like not letting fear and worry control us, but really slowing down, being mindful in the moment. If you're a Jesus follower, mindful in the moment with God. If you're not a Jesus follower, you can still be mindful in the moment. Um, but really slowing down and recognizing what you think, what you feel, uh, what is going on in the situation. Like that really helps you begin to replace thoughts. You can't just stop thinking thoughts. You have to replace them. But in order to replace them, you have to recognize them. Uh, and today we're going to talk about uh, a different topic. And so as we're preparing this, like I'm thinking about this a lot. And I'm like, in this last topic, I was like, I, I mean, this, maybe it's a good one. I don't know. Uh, I'm, I'm just not sure. Like it's not the same as the others. I don't know if I really like it. And um, I didn't want to talk about this, to be completely honest with you, especially on Father's Day. Like, it's like, hey, happy Father's Day. Great. Uh, today we're talking about pain and suffering. So, like, welcome to church. So glad you're here. Come back next week. It'll be way more fun, I promise. Um, no, but, but, but it's so funny because thinking about this, like, man, we, we went through this series and we said that not all thoughts are created equal. Right? Like, different thoughts have a, a larger impact on your life. And how we view pain, what we think about pain has a massive impact on us, right? And this is what I've seen in my life, maybe it's true in your life too, is like, like if I feel like I'm in control or I understand the pain, I'm usually okay with it, right? Like to a degree, right? Like I don't love the dentist, but I know, and you probably don't love the dentist either, but like you know, you go to the dentist, they might cause some pain, but they're like, hey, if you wanna keep your teeth, like, we got to drill and do these things. Anybody here, you don't love the dentist, but you want to keep your teeth, right? Like, so you will endure some discomfort, some pain. Even you might be, like, some suffering. I mean, I've been to some bad dentists. Like, one dentist, she told me, she said, do you know you look just like Jesus Christ? 
I said, do I get a discount? <laughs> she, she said, no. I also want to be like, well, Jesus isn't like white with straight hair either. So like, go look at like Eastern, like, like look at the right people. But, uh, but again, you go to some dentist, man, like you're worried, you feel the pain, but you also value the benefit of what's on the other side. Or maybe you work out at the gym, right? You know, you, I mean, you all know this, no pain, there you go, no pain. You're not going to injure yourself, right? Like, unless you don't know what you're doing, then that's not good. But, like, you're going to work out, you're going to push yourself. You, like, when I work out, I want to feel sore later because that shows me, like, I did something. Like, it was good. Like, I want to be able to, like, still function, but I want to feel some discomfort because it shows me something's happening. And, but this is the thing. When I understand or feel in control, I'm usually okay with it, like, to a degree. Like, the craziest thing for me is, like, women giving birth. Like, I've been in the delivery room, well, the last day became the trauma where she was like crazy. It was 35 minutes. She was in and out. It was like express lane. We didn't get a discount though, but like that's why we named her River. She came out whoosh, like a river. I'm not even kidding. We showed up to the hospital 35 minutes later. She was in Rachel's arms. Uh, but, but I've been in, in the birthing area four times with our kids. That is the crazy. If it was up to men, if it was up to me, we wouldn't even have kids. Seeing what my wife goes through, I don't care if you have like no pain medication, all the pain medications, cesarean. What I don't care how you have, you carry a baby for nine months and you deliver a baby and keep them a lot. Like, I mean, hats off to you. You are hardcore, right? But again, if it's up to us, like gentlemen, you know this. If it's up to me, like we're probably not having any kids. I see what happens. But but it, the crazy thing is, we, like my wife and so many women, like you have multiple children, and you went through this intense pain. But you saw you were kind of in control of it. Maybe you were like, you understood the, this is what I'm going to get on the other side of it, right? And we're okay with that. The problem is when I don't feel like I understand why the pain is happening. And I feel completely out of control in the situation. So that's really hard for me. But also, like, your pain is really uncomfortable for me too. Right? Like, I hate your pain, right? Like, even at home, like, Rachel will have, like, a, a headache or she's sore. I'm like, hey, like, what, like, immediately I go, like, how can I fix this thing? Right? Like, do you need, like, medicine? Do you need a back rub? Do you need, like, what do you, and she's like, babe, like, can I just tell you, like, I just need you to sit down and, like, understand I just don't feel good. So then what do I do? Oh, my goodness. Girl, I'm so sorry you don't feel good. She's like, you can't just turn it on, though. Right? Like, you can't just, like, instantly, like, now you're sympathetic, right? But that's our problem. We don't like discomfort. We don't like pain for ourselves and especially for people around us because it makes us so uncomfortable. And then even in the church, uh, we have this, I'd say, a problem because we don't talk about pain hardly ever. So then we have a, I'd say, like, an insufficient doctrine about pain and suffering. Right? It's lopsided. Right? We, we quote half verses, which are half true, like, like this one from, from Romans 8. It says, if God is for us, who can be against us? Right? And like we put down the side of like our Christian sports team, whatever, in high school, and like we're, God's for, like, you look in the context, what, what Paul was talking about is suffering. And you go a little bit later in the same passage, and, and Paul says again, we're more than conquerors in Christ. And again, like we love being conquerors, but you just expand your reading a little bit. You see like, I mean, maybe we shouldn't put that on like a, a Christian athletic t-shirt because it's all about suffering. It's all about pain. This is one of my, my favorites, we, like Jeremiah 29. You probably know this. You probably are embarrassed right now because this is you. Like, I know the plans I have for you, right? We're like, oh man, graduation season. I'm gonna put that on a card. I'm gonna give it away to people. We're gonna put that on mud. Like, we're just gonna like, the plans. And, and like, if you go back and read, you can do it right now if you want to. You go back and read Jeremiah 29. God is literally telling Jeremiah, I know the plans I have for you. You're gonna be in captivity for 70 years. Nobody wants that plan. 
right? Like that's some, especially like a high school graduate, like no, I don't wait until I'm in my 90s to have the plan. Like, but again, we, we love to hold half of the teaching or even Jesus' teaching. He says, I've overcome the world. Again, like all these things are true, but they're insufficient. They're half of the truth. They're not complete. And what happens in, in the church even is, is, excuse me, we have this insufficient teaching around pain, and then we don't know what to do when we encounter pain. Because again, this, this is the thing which, happy Father's Day, so glad you're here, but pain is unavoidable. Right? Like, like who of us has a pain-free, problem-free life? Like nobody does. But we don't think about pain and we want to just avoid it. And instead of realizing it's unavoidable, we need to also understand that pain produces something in you. And, and how I think about pain will determine what it produces in me. And I, I've seen this, uh, some of it is because of, of what I do with work here at the church. I've seen people walk through incredibly painful situations. And a lot of you have walked through very painful situations, whether it's the end of a relationship or a diagnosis or, or honestly, I mean, a number of things. And it's funny how people can walk through a similar situation and have completely different reactions. And, and can I tell you, if I'm honest, I understand both reactions. Like, we're not just gonna throw a Bible verse on it and say pray about it and you should just have a good attitude about it. But I think the difference in people when they experience a similar thing and they have completely different reactions is how they view, how they think about pain. Because pain will always produce something in you. Now, how you think about it will determine what it produces in you. So what we're going to do today is, is we're going to take some time and we're going to talk through one of these passages uh, that Paul wrote, uh, which Paul had an incredibly painful life, a great life at the same time, but really, really painful uh, went through all sorts of things, and he's writing to these Roman believers uh, who are not like the moral majority in the country. They're not like the admired citizens. They're like outlaws, on the run, all those things. Like, and he writes these crazy things given that circumstance for them. And this is what he says again. Uh, this is a passage that we take out of context. What I want to try to do is bring it in context and help you see a, a greater picture to help us begin to think about how we think about pain. This is what Paul says in, in Romans chapter 8. He says, what, shall we, what then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Again, we love that if God's for us, who can be against us? But we have to step back and say, okay, when he says, what shall we say in response to these things? Like, what are these things? And, and you could go, and I would love for you to go and read the whole chapter yourself. Um, and, and see all of it. What I'm, gonna do, I'm just going to highlight stuff because um, just to be completely honest, we don't have time to hit on all the things because there's a lot of things. We could probably do like four-week teaching just on this chapter. But what, what Paul goes through, he talks about things, about how we have a new life in Christ. About how we have a new life. There's a new power in Christ that, that Jesus has come and he's offered us the new life and power, but not a problem-free, pain-free life. But we have a, a greater hope. He talks about how God uh, literally... His spirit comes and dwells in us, which I know if you're not a Jesus follower, you're new to church, like that sounds really weird. I totally get that. Uh, but Paul is teaching these people saying, you can walk through different things in life because you have God's spirit. And God's spirit in you is actually greater than the law that God wrote. Because the law was concerned with holding and having external behavior, 
right? Like it was always about the heart, but it was so easy to get wrapped up in all the external behavior. And the spirit of God is more powerful than the law of God because the spirit of God can come and you actually change your desires. Not just how you behave, but how you love people because it's so easy and all of us know it's easy to pretend to love people. And so the spirit really can direct and change our hearts. And he even goes on to say that, that we are children of God. Which again, all this in context is, is meaningful because we're talking about pain and suffering. And Paul is, is beginning by reminding these people of all these truths, of all these things. He says, I love even his terminology where he says, like, you're not simply like slaves in God's household. Like, you're not part of God's estate. Like, you are children of God. I think for some of us, like, we still have a hard time acknowledging that we're children of God, that God wants us, that God cares for us. And I think it's in part because of the difficult things we've walked through. And then Paul gets this verse about halfway through, and he says, so I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing to the glory that we revealed to us. He's trying to remind these believers, he's trying to remind us that today is not all that matters. Today is not all there is. And, and again, this is the thing. So many of us, because we have this lopsided or even insufficient teaching around pain, we think that pain is evidence that God is not with us. What Paul's saying is pain is not evidence that God is not with us. Pain is evidence that we live in a broken world. Right? Like, like so many of us, we, we look and we see things in life and we go, man, like things should just not be this way. And I think God echoes that same thing. I think actually God sees even greater things and he goes, things are not supposed to be this way. See, the world we live in is a broken world. It's fractured in every regard. And I think that that is God's imprint on you to see things and go, man, this should not be this way. And even for some of us, because of the painful things we've been through or we've seen, or we've kind of given up hope with God. We kind of felt like, well, if God could, then he should have. And since he didn't, then he's not all powerful. He's not all good. He's not like, like and I, I totally get that. But I also think we have to understand that there are laws in the world and that part of God's nature is he upholds the laws of the world. Like gravity is a law, right? If I go jump off something, God's not punishing me by enforcing the law of gravity. Gravity's just there. And there are different things in our lives. And, and one of those is, one of the laws is that things are broken. I wish things would keep getting better. The reality is, I don't think they are. Again, welcome to church. Man, I'm probably gonna have some really awkward jokes sprinkled in here because I feel like this is heavy. I love to have fun, right? I'm like, how do I have fun with pain? Like, you can't. What Paul is trying to remind us is that in Christ, there's a hope that's greater than your hurt. Like, I love that Paul is real about suffering. He doesn't try to sugarcoat it, right? We all know those people that try to sugarcoat everything, a positive spin on, like, some things are just not positive. Like, it just sucks. 
But what Paul's even teaching through this is that, again, our, our present sufferings, momentary. He even says in some translators, talk about them being light, which things that we've walked through would be anything but light. He says they're not even worth comparing to the glory that we're going to get. And this is something that Paul is teaching, and we're going to see this again, is, is that truth and your reality don't always intersect when you want them to. Right? Like, like truth and reality, they don't always intersect. Like, like, for example, you can be making all sorts of healthy financial decisions right now. You're living on a budget. You're paying off debt. You're doing all those things. But then you look around and you go, how come everybody else has nicer cars than me? And everybody else gets to go out to eat all the time. I'm trying to be really financially responsible. I'm really trying to get ahead financially. And you're making all these decisions. You want to be, like, responsible with your finances. And you feel anything but, like, everybody else. And the truth is you are being financially responsible. And the reality of you receiving the benefit of financial responsibility, which would be wealth, the reality hasn't caught up to you yet. You keep, you keep making those, the truth is there, your reality just has to catch up and intersect with that. But for some of us, it's like, if you eat kind of whatever you want, which dads, it's your day, eat whatever you want. I talked to Jesus, calories don't count today, so you're good. But right, like you, you treat your body kind of however you want. You don't drink water. You don't exercise. You don't, like, you don't get enough sleep. Like you kind of do whatever you want. And the reality is it hasn't impacted you yet. But there's some time, probably about 27, 28, where it's like, man, things are just different, right? Now I look at pizza and I gain three pounds, right? Like, like there's a, a situation where, again, the truth is if you mistreat your body, your body's not going to be able to do what you want it to later in life. But your reality hasn't caught up to that yet. And what Paul is saying here is, is there is a truth that is greater than the momentary uh, experience that you have right now. And, and then Jesus, again, he, he reiterates his teaching of, of we're going to have troubles. We're going to have difficulties, which again, this is where I, I love the teachings of like Paul and Jesus and so many of the writers of the scriptures because it's real life. This is what Jesus said in the full context. He said, I told you these things so you can have peace. Because he knows we need to have peace. Because honestly, in this world, you will have trouble. But take heart, because I've overcome the world. Again, like, we don't put the, in this world, you have trouble on, like, the decorative throw blankets, right? You're not seeing that at the Christian bookstores. But Jesus is teaches in, in life, because this is reality. When you encounter troubles, you generally ask, where are you, God? I thought you were supposed to be here. Like, I thought I was supposed to have life to the fullest. This is life to the fullest. I got the diagnosis. We go through the situation. The relationship dissolves. We get divorced, whatever it is. And you walk through life and you question, God, where are you? Again, what I'd say is painful situations, suffering, like it produces something in you. And how you think about it will determine what it produces, because we can't be totally removed from pain. I wish we could. That is a whole lot easier to talk about. A whole lot easier to make everybody feel great and just go out there and overcome the world. Instead of saying, hey, you're probably gonna have some troubles this week. But again, the hope is this week is not all that there is. So then Paul goes on, again, he keeps teaching this. The idea of this, this pain and the suffering. Again, I'll tell you, go and read Romans chapter 8. Uh, it's really, it's, I mean, it's, it's so full of stuff. And, and Paul gets this passage again. I think he's reminding us something important where he says, Who shall separate us from the love of God? 
shall troubles or hardships or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword. Again, Paul is saying this because he wants to remind us that pain isn't a punishment. And again, even maybe this is your, your church background is that if anything goes wrong, if anything's uncomfortable, then you have some unconfessed sin in your life. Like God is judging you for something. But, but this, is, this is the problem with that is when Jesus sacrificed himself on the cross, he took on all of God's punishment. So if God is using painful situations to punish you, then Jesus' sacrifice wasn't enough. Which means you can't be confident in Jesus at all. See, see Paul said back and said again, who's going to separate us from God's love? Like, like troubles and pain and difficulties and nakedness and sword, all, like, all these things. Can anything separate us from God's love? And the answer is no. Not because you're so great, but because Jesus is so great. Because Jesus came and he was the complete, uh, the, the like theological, or it's not even theological, it's even like um, judicial language. He's, he was the, the complete atonement for, he covered everything. He was sufficient. And that's why I have hope for later. And Paul keeps driving this point home again and again. He goes on a little bit later and he says, so what should we say in response to these things? And all the things we've talked about. You're, you have a new life in Christ. You're children of God. Like, what do we, like, how do we respond to these things? If God is for us, then who can be against us? Again, God showed he was for you through Jesus' death on the cross. But it doesn't remove all the pain from our life. So funny, because then Paul, again, he goes on, he's driving this point again, he says, no, see, in all these things, we're more than conquerors. Through him who loved us. It's, the power is not in myself, the power is in Jesus. Yeah. Again, this is another uh, instance where the reality and the truth don't intersect yet for a lot of us, right? It's, it's funny, but Paul says, you are, like we are more than conquerors. He's saying that when the Roman believers that read this for the first time felt anything but conquerors. Again, they weren't having parades. There wasn't crosses. Actually, there were crosses everywhere, but there were Christians hanging and dying on those crosses. Like he's saying, hey guys, even right now, I know it doesn't feel like it. Like, we're, like we are more than conquerors. Can you imagine for a minute sitting there at the first whatever church of Rome having your Danish and your coffee and they're reading a letter from, from Paul and they're like, well, Paul said, what? I thought, what? But Paul said, Paul said we're more than conquerors. And everyone's looking around like, what? Like, does he know the situation that we're in right now? Has Paul walked through any of this stuff? To which Paul, again, later in different passages, he'll, he'll count all the suffering, all the difficulty he's walked through where he was shipwrecked and he was beaten and he got stoned. Like, like not that kind of stone. Like, they threw rocks at him, right? Like, I told you I was going to make some weird jokes through this thing, right? But, but Paul is going, man, I've been through all these things. And when I align myself with Jesus... He doesn't remove all pain, but he gives me hope through the pain. And there's truth that I'm more than a conqueror, even though my present situation doesn't line up. 
Even though right now, like, you, you had that financial thing fall through, and you're out of work, and you're stressed, and you feel completely overwhelmed, and you're asking the question, God, where are you? God's saying, I'm here the whole time. Even you go through that relational thing right now where they said some things and you said some things, you just feel like, I don't know if we can even repair this. Like, I don't know what's going on. Like, even there, even now, yeah, even there, even now. God, where are you? And God's going, I'm right here. I know your reality right now doesn't feel like you're a conqueror. I know reality right now doesn't feel like this is momentary, you're a light. I know right now reality is completely blinding you to everything that is good. But through Jesus, there's a hope. Even in the midst of pain. Paul kind of finishes this, this whole argument and this whole teaching, again, it's so rich, where he goes in and he says, I'm convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels or demons, neither the present nor the future, nor the power, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Paul, even through this teaching, he, he's telling us that the pain produces something in you and actually, for those of us who follow Jesus, it helps us look more like Jesus. It conforms us to the image of the Son. But Paul finishes this passage where he's going through all these things and this is what I say, Paul kind of puts a exclamation point on this and he says it's kind of two things we forget everything else two things pain is real God is with us pain is real God is with us again it's a whole lot easier to say hey pain Jesus will take all that don't worry about it pain is real and we minimize the power of Jesus when we just try to excuse away or avoid pain completely or act like it's not there Again, how you think about pain determines what it produces in you. You're going to walk through difficult things. But how you view it will determine what it does to you. Now, I don't know what you're walking through. I don't know what you will walk through. This is what I would say to help you through that. Is it like, pain will be part of your story, but it doesn't have to be the whole story. Like, I'd love to say, you got a pain for, no, pain's gonna be part of your story. But it doesn't have to be the whole story. This is how it looked like for my wife and I. Um, come home from work one day, it's July, it's nice and sunny, I get home, a two-year-old runs up, gives me a hug, and Rachel's there, and she had an ultrasound appointment, because we are pregnant again. It's like, all we ever do is get pregnant, I don't know. And she shows me these ultrasound pictures. I'm looking at them. And like ultrasound pictures all look the same, right? Like they're little, they're black and white, little, you know, I don't know, it looks like a lima bean in there. And I'm looking at pictures. I'm like, oh, that's cool. And they take like 50,000 pictures. And she goes, um, you see that? I said, yeah. She says, that's one baby. I said, okay. See that? That's another baby. I thought, oh, that's different. Um, so we're having two babies. Yeah, we're having twins. I'm like, oh, my goodness. I wasn't planning for twins, right? And immediately I started thinking about like college with twins and braces with twins and everything. Like we're looking at like triple strollers on like, wouldn't even fit in our car, like all the things. It's crazy. And we're like planning, telling everybody. So, I mean, completely overwhelmed. And about three months later, we go to the doctor's on again. 
And they said something different for the second time. The, the ultrasound tech goes, I'm, I'm so sorry. It looks like you lost one of the babies and the other baby's not doing good at all. And the doctor comes in and is talking about how like, it's completely overwhelming for them. And like, they're not, I mean, a great doctor, but like, it's, this is beyond our expertise. And, and you need to go to this other hospital. So the next day, we got to go up to the other hospital. We go to Northwestern Hospital up in Chicago, great hospital. And uh, we meet with another doctor there. And they say, yeah, the, uh, one baby's gone. We're so sorry. And the other baby um, had this condition called high drop. There's like fluid around the heart and lungs and brain and everything. It does not look good. Like there's single digit chances that this child even survives at 25 weeks. At that point, we could try and alter, like induce labor and bring them in the NICU and all that stuff. But like single digit chances of survival. And we're just sitting there like spinning. And Rachel goes, I want to... I want a second opinion. You know, let's go get another doctor. So that's on a Thursday. So on Monday, we have an appointment scheduled for another doctor. I remember Friday and Saturday and Sunday and Monday, literally we'd wake up and we'd just lay in bed and I'd just hold Rachel's stomach and just beg God to feel the baby kick. Then we go to this appointment on Monday and the doctor goes, man, this is really unusual and unlikely. Your high drops are completely gone. Like, your baby, your baby looks as healthy as they could. You know, like, right now, like it's just, gone. like, we can't explain it. That doesn't just happen. And so we've had a lot of people praying, you know. Uh, which, again, miscarriage is such a hard thing. And some of, some of you have walked through this, and, like, it's so tricky because you don't really even know how to grieve or talk about it. And it breaks my heart. So many of you walk through it completely alone because nobody knows. With us, it was really hard. We told everybody we were having twins. It's really hard to say you're having twins and then show up with one baby. And I want to tell you too, like we had so many people praying not because we had this massive like mountaintop Moses faith. We had nothing else. Like literally we were powerless to do anything else. And from there it goes, this is like middle of October. From there it's like constant appointments and specialists and all these things. I mean, we're like constantly appointments and everything. They're like, hey, your, your baby you know, looks like it's going to be a full-term pregnancy, which is great. Okay, like, and then the day after Christmas, Rachel's like, I think I'm feeling some contractions. I'm like, no, nah, you're not due for another nine weeks. Like, let's just watch some TV and just kind of ignore it and let's just go to bed, which is great advice. She wakes me up about midnight and says, no, I'm in labor. Like, I know I'm in labor. We call the doctor, doctor, you just need to get to the closest hospital. I remember calling all of our friends. Again, it's the day after Christmas. Everyone's with their family. We're just calling everybody. It's like one in the morning. Can you, because we have a two-year-old. We got, can we just, what do we do with her? I think our friend Sarah came and picked her up right at the hospital. We go in there and we're trying to figure out, and, and the doctors are trying to figure out everything. And, and I remember this is so funny. We're, Rachel just asked at one point, because they're trying to like stop her labor, labor to like bring her in an ambulance to Chicago and all these things. And she asked one of the nurses, she goes, um, when are they going to decide if I'm having the baby here or not? And she looks at her, she goes, oh, you having the baby here. Like, they ain't telling you that, yeah, yeah, but like, we decided that already. But act surprised when they tell you. Don't tell them I told you. So we have Lucy, our second daughter. She came out, she's two pounds, 15 ounces, she's like the size of my hand. Tiny little baby. Then we go to the NICU for seven weeks. It was crazy. I get up early for work, and thankfully she was basically breathing on her own. I mean, she's—I mean, I remember feeding her 
like one mil of milk. But that was like, wow, we got to feed her. She got tubes in her face and stuff. And um, I'd, I'd leave early for work and I'd, I'd visit her for a little bit and go to work all day and come home. And Rachel would be going, dropping Mela off at a babysitter and then sitting with Lucy for a couple hours in the afternoon. I'd get on the way home from work, I'd stop and swing and see her again and hold her for a little bit, and I'd go home, and then Rachel and I would have dinner together, and Rachel would go back to the hospital. It was just insane. It was seven weeks, and I remember taking her home from the hospital. She was like four and a half pounds, and we're like, this is crazy. And in that season, that felt anything but light. It felt anything but temporary. And in some ways, it's really easy to look and be like, well, Lucy's okay. Like, yeah, she is, but like, my other baby wasn't. It's really hard even to like, how do you have like a happy ending? You know? Even through that season though, we had some friends that their son was born about nine weeks early. They went through a similar thing. They had another kid, and they walked with us through that, and they talked with us and encouraged us. Even, like, they were at the same hospital. So they are like, these are the best meals to eat at that hospital. You need to get this, and don't get that. That's trash. Don't worry about it. Like, like, I was so grateful for some people who walked through something similar to help us be reminded this isn't all that there is. Paul says that your suffering, your difficulty helps you be conformed to the image of Jesus. Jesus is the best version of you. He's the most loving, caring, compassionate, thoughtful person in all of creation. And when you look more like Jesus, you're a better version of yourself. Can I tell you, because I walked through that dark season, because we walked through that difficult thing, I'm able to love people in a different way. I remember my, a guy I was working with named Jason. He came in to work a couple months afterwards, and he just seemed off. I said, well, hey, dude, what's up? And he said, we haven't really told anybody. My wife was pregnant, and we just found out we lost the baby. I just gave him a big hug. Because it's a different thing, but I've been there. I felt that. I can show him love in a different way. I think about a young lady I met at our church a few weeks ago. I was helping her try to get engaged. Like, hey, how can you love to help you join a team or get in a group or like would you want to work with adults or kids or babies and she goes probably not babies I, I just lost a baby recently so I've lost, a, I've lost a baby too thinking about a friend of mine and seeing him a couple weeks ago I said man how is life how are things how is your wife and he's oh she's not feeling good today we actually she's home we just found out she lost a baby Now, I would never want someone to walk through that, but reality is a bunch of us have. And whether it's losing a child or having a child in the NICU, and I see people, I see them walking through that, man, we send them money right away, every time. Your kid's in the hospital. We're going to send some money because we just, we just know. It just looks different. And for all of them, we see a child in the hospital, and you go, like, oh, that's so sad. But if you haven't walked through something similar, it just, hits, it just hits differently. And you have things in your life like that too. A relationship thing or a financial thing or what, like diagnosis. And again, this is even right now, there's a family right now that 
we kind of, like, I don't even know these people, but like, they're walking through all sorts of medical stuff with their kid, and they, it is, in, it's, this is insane to me. They're, they're posting and praising God in the middle of such uncertainty. I just wish I had half their faith. But when we can look at pain, not as everything in our life, and not as our entire story, but we can look at it and honestly say, it's part of life here. I really think it can produce something beautiful in us. Again, I would never want you to walk through some of the things that we've walked through. Because it just sucks. But I, I want you to know, like, like, this is not all there is. And this is why Paul says, and this is, again, we started with this, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed to us. The reality is we have a hope that's greater than whatever hurt we're walking through right now or will walk through. And, and I see this not even in my own story, but in so many other people's stories. I'm like, how, how do you even still believe in God? You walk through hell. And I say, no, like, because they think about pain differently. They don't think of it as punishment from God. They don't think about it as God's removed from you. They just acknowledge pain is part of life. And there can be a plan for it. We're going to close today with a uh, part of a song called Homecoming. I cry basically every time we sing this song. And here's what we talk about pain, we talk about suffering. It's easy to just get down and just feel like, man, like, oh, happy Father's Day. Pain's part of life. It sucks. Go out and have a great day, Right? It's so easy to look at pain and say there's too much, but what we have to do is constantly be reminded there is something better in the future. For those who are in Christ, we will be reunited with our loved ones who are in Christ. We have a hope and a future, and that's what this song talks about. And what we're going to do is, I'd love for you just to, you can just sit there, you can stand up, you can sing along if you want to, but really just, just a moment for you to be reminded in the midst of whatever you're walking through right now, whatever you've walked through in the past, whatever you will walk through, there is a greater hope than the hurt you feel right now. So I want to remind you of this. And this is what I'd say, even if you don't believe it, what we had to do, what I had to do, had to surround my heart with truth and just ask God that I would believe it. Because there have been so many times where I'm like, I just don't, I just don't. This pain feels like too much. And what I have to do is I have to change my thinking. I have to get in and surround my heart, my mind with truth. And then just beg God that it will invade my heart and my mind. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray for us. And then uh, they're going to sing part of the song. again. you can stand. You can stay seated. Um, you can respond however you would like. And then uh, we'll close the service. We'll be done for the day. So, yeah. Uh, let me just pray for us. God, thank you for, God, I think about this. Thank you for taking our punishment on the cross. God, so now we know that, that pain, while it's, it's part of our life, God, while it's just a reality of, of the broken world that we live in, God, it's, it's not everything and it's not too powerful for us. God, I pray that we would um, be, be able to surround our hearts and our minds with your truth. God, they would invade every crevice of our soul. 
God, for those of us that are walking through pain and difficulty right now, God, that, that we would really be able to slow down and feel that. And we wouldn't run from it. And we wouldn't run from you. God, that we'd look to your face in the midst of our brokenhearted pain. And God, that we would be able to see there's a hope that's greater. God, we love you and we thank you so much that you promise an incredible homecoming for us where we can be reunited with loved ones who are in you. I pray we could focus on that. Amen. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this message or have been impacted by Centerpoint Church in any way, would you consider helping us out in one of two ways? First, if you would just spread the word, share this message with your friends, family. Maybe you could go rate and review our podcast on your favorite podcast catcher, but this helps us so much more than you know. And secondly, this ministry is supported by people like you through their financial generosity. And so if you've been impacted by any of these messages, would you consider giving to support the mission and vision of Centerpoint to see people reach with the radical grace of Jesus? You can give today on our website at centerpointfl.org. And again, that's centerpointfl.org.